welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Amen. All right, so we've been working our way through the book of Acts. Who remembers the book of Acts? Three people remember the book of Acts. That's just wonderful. The book of Acts was written by um, Luke. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Luke wrote the book of Acts, and he wrote it to a man named Theophilus, who we don't know a whole lot about other than this is who uh, Luke was writing, the book of Luke and the book, book, the book, the book, the book, the book of Acts too as well. I got, I got Luke and book confused. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. It's just been an interesting morning, okay? I think we can all live with it, can't we, Sienna? We can live with it. Talk about a book. Let's talk about a book. All right, so open your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. Luke wrote this book to Theophilus. And um, what I love about the book of Acts is that it is a picture of what the modern church is supposed to look like. Amen? Hey, remember like two weeks ago we talked about how we were going to start getting loud? We were going to start making noise in church? I haven't forgot about that. Just so you, I don't generally forget the things that I say. Like we said this is a house of joy. This is a house of joy. We're going to be happy to be at church. Amen? I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of God. <laughs> Lil's like smiling. She's like, yeah, yeah. It's good. It's good. We're going to get there, guys. We're going to get there. We're going to be Alicia. One day, you're just going to be loud and rowdy. You, I, I do know it. I do. Right, Johnny? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's correct. Yes, sir, that's correct. So Acts is the book where it gives us a picture of what the modern church is supposed to look like. When Jesus left, Jesus said, I got to go away. It's better for you if I go away so that I can send the Holy Spirit down to you because I'm only one person, but if I can send the Holy Spirit, he can be with each and every one of you, and that's what we're after. And so Jesus left and went to heaven, and the Bible says that on the day of Pentecost, he sent the Holy Spirit down to us. Last week, we looked at chapter 2. We ended up looking at what the church looked like, and there was four things we talked about last week that the church did on a consistent basis. The Bible says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which we call worship. They shared their food and their money and their tithe. The Bible talks about how they sold properties that they had and they brought that money to the church and the church distributed it so that anybody who had need had everything they needed. They weren't lacking. They weren't missing things. Um, it says that they broke bread often and took communion together, right? So like today, the, the idea behind taking communion the way we are doing it for the rest of the year is, is if you read in 1 Corinthians 11, when it talks about what communion is, it goes on to say, make sure when you do this that you examine yourself. There's an important element to communion where you let the Spirit of God speak to you about you and your life, about the things in your life that maybe uh, aren't lining up to the Word of God the way they should so that God can say to you, hey, you're living your life. I love you. i got great things for you. I want to talk to you about this for a second. I want to talk to you about your emotions for a second. I want to talk to you about this situation with this person and how you acted just for a second so that God can do little tune-ups on you and work his will and his pleasure in you, helping you be a little bit more like him. Don't we want to be more like Jesus? I don't want to be more like Jake, because Jake can be a jerk. It's true. 
It's true. I want to be more like Jesus. I didn't even hear what you said, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> we were both talking at the same time. Was that you, Rick? Oh, no. So Acts chapter 3 is one of my favorite sections in the book of Acts. I just love, I love what's happening. End of chapter 2, we see that the church is growing. They form this community. People are added to the church. At this point, as far as we know, there's about 3,000 men. And remember, when the Bible talks about 3,000 men, when it talks about feeding the 5,000, it says there was 5,000 men. That's because that was the culture of the day. We also know there was women and children included, right? Okay, so we don't have to get offended about that, do we? We just know that's how they used to talk back then. We know there was men and women and kids and dogs and parakeets, parrots, who knows what you got, camels, but they're all there together. And so the Bible says at this point, 3,000 people have joined what they call the modern church. And in chapter 3, it starts off here in verse 1, it says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. Don't you love how there was a 3 o'clock prayer service? Maybe we should start 3 o'clock prayer service. <laughs> you know what's great is like people are like, I should respond because if I don't respond, I feel like Jake's going to make us have 3 o'clock prayer service. Yeah, 3 o'clock. Whoa, it's such a, I do that anyways on my own at home. I'm praying 3 o'clock, so I'll come to church. Um, so they were going to 3 o'clock prayer service, and as they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in, and each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one they called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Who's ever been asked for money here? Yeah, I think, I think probably all of us have. I mean, it was kind of a rhetorical question. Half of you put up your hand. I don't know why the other half of you didn't put up your hand, because I'm sure you've been asked for money too. But they're going into church, and this guy is strategic. If you think about this, in the, back then, they were going into church, and back then when they would go to church, and they would take the money they had, and they would leave it at the temple. So this guy's smart. Instead of waiting until they come out of the temple, this guy is showing up before they go into the temple, and before they go in, and they still have some change in their pocket. And he says, hey, do you have some money? Do you have some money? How many times have you heard that? Hey, spare some change, got some change, got some change. I feel bad now because I never carry cash on me of any kind. And so I'm always like, you take debit? <laughs> I won't tell you what the responses I've had, but that's what I say to them because I don't ever carry change. But this guy says, you got some change. And in verse 4, Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said to him, look at us. Peter and John looked at him intently with a purpose, with a reason. How many times when you walk past somebody, do you not even make eye contact with them when they say, do you got some money? Do you have something that I can have? How many times do you just like, oh, man, I don't got anything, sorry, and you don't even look at them? I mean, a lot of times I'm walking somewhere, they're over here talking, they're not even in your line of sight, and they're talking to you, asking for money. Peter just says, the Bible says, Peter stops and looks at him intently. Makes eye contact with this guy. And here's what Peter says. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. And Peter says this, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I got. I don't got any silver and gold, but I'm going to give you what I got. No change, sorry, dude, but I do have something that you definitely want. What's important in this scripture 
is that this man is looking at Peter and John eagerly expecting something. And Peter and John are looking at this man intently for a reason and for a purpose. No, I don't have any change, but I do have something that you want. And this guy's looking at them saying, oh, sweet, these guys are going to give me something. They don't got change, but he's got some dollar-dollar bills, y'all. And Peter says this to him, I'll give you what I got. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, or, or of Nazareth, get up and walk. What an ostentatious sentence. This guy has just been carried in by people. He can't walk. He's never been able to walk. He's been lame since birth. They carried him to the temple, and he begs on a consistent basis. Peter stops and looks at this guy and says, I don't have any money for you, but what I do got, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Hey, there you go. Get up and walk. And then he doesn't just say, hey, man, in Jesus' name, get up and walk. Okay, I got to go. I got to get my chair in church. See you later. Oh, no, no, it's okay. just get up on your, just stand up, man, just get up. It's, it's, bro, it's okay, go on. I, my latte is waiting inside for me. Somebody's eating my donuts, my cookies. Just get up. The Bible says in the next verse, then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. Do you know what atrophy is? Anybody? It's when you don't use your muscles and they begin to shrink and stop working. At the end of this story, we find out that this man has been lame and has not walked in 40 years. Jen's brother, one of Jen's brothers used to be in a wheelchair. And he never used his legs as long as I knew him. And when you would look at his legs, he wears shorts and stuff. And when you would look at his legs, there was no muscle on his legs. It was just the bones and skin. There was nothing there because he never had to use those muscles. This guy had no muscles in his legs because he'd never used them. But Peter just happens to walk by intently knowing who Jesus is. I don't know why I'm so worked up. I'm sorry. It gets me excited. Peter walks by. And knowing who Jesus is, and after spending those three and a half years with Jesus, watching Jesus heal the sick, cast out demons, break bread apart, and feed thousands and thousands of people, raising the dead to life, Jesus did these things, and Peter's walking by, and he says, you know what? God wants to heal this guy. So I'm just going to tell him to get up in the name of Jesus. I love how Peter didn't have to go off and, and build himself up in the spirit, praying for 20 minutes before he can pray for this guy. I love how you don't see Peter like, okay, I got to get my best prayer on for this. Okay, God, what is, what's the scripture that I can use to pray for this guy? You just see Peter say to this guy, in the name of Jesus, get up. Because Peter knew the authority and power that was already present in the name of Jesus. Can I just tell you today that that same spirit that Peter was operating in, that same spirit that got that guy up off the ground is still active and alive today? 
and you can still walk around today wherever it is, whatever circumstance you encounter, wherever you're going, whatever you're dealing with, you can still say, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Or in the name of Jesus, you need to stop. Or in the name of Jesus, this has got to change. And the Bible says that Peter grabbed this guy's hand. This guy obviously was like, well, help me up, man. Get up and walk. And the guy, obviously, in my mind, he must have reached out, and Peter must have reached back. And the Bible says that he pulls him up. And as he pulls him up, how long does it take to pull somebody up? Come up here. Come up here for a second. Yep, come here. Yep, you. <laughs> Let's do an experiment. Can you get down on the ground? Sure. I don't think he begged like that. Yeah, I know, I know. I should have been more specific. I should have been. It's a good point. I wasn't very clear. Peter says, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And then the Bible says that Peter puts his hand out. This guy puts his hand up. Let's see how long it takes for, you're the lame guy right now. I'm going to brace myself because you weigh a little bit more than me. Let's see how long it takes for him to get up off the ground. Okay. Well, they're just, they're, they're, yeah, I'm not going to lift you up. Your legs, this is the miracle moment where his legs are strengthened. So, yes, use your legs, man. Okay. So Peter says, Peter says, get up and walk in the name of Jesus. The guy's like, okay, I'm going to get up. One, two, three. Oh, my gosh. So, like, three seconds, maybe, maybe we could stretch it out to ten. Maybe the guy was uncertain. And he was grabbing on the wall. Okay, you can go. I just wanted to see how long that would take. Thanks, man. Oh, the excited version? What happens when he stands up? Yeah, you didn't, you didn't, you weren't very excited about standing up after not walking for 40 years. <laughs> Redo, back it up, let's try it again. No, it's okay, it's okay. Maybe in a minute, just hang on a second. Keep that thought. So let's just say it took maybe 10 seconds because the guy was unsure and he was shaky and grabbing onto Peter and John as he got up. But in that 10 seconds, do you know what was happening inside that guy's body? Have you ever stopped to actually think about this? Inside that man's body, there is muscle growing as he's standing up. His legs are being strengthened. Things that he has never had to use in his life are suddenly coming to life and beginning to work. It is a creative miracle, as what we call it. Life was instantly being created in this man. And I'm telling you today, I'm telling you today, that that same thing can happen to you in your life and your situation. Get up and walk. And as you begin to take that step of faith, see, that man was eagerly looking at Jesus. He was eagerly looking to Peter, sorry, because Peter said, look at me. And the guy's like, okay, look at me. He's like, I don't got any money for you, but get up in the name of Jesus. And the guy said, okay. Maybe he had heard about Jesus, and maybe he had heard the things that Jesus had done for other people. And he's laying there, and he's like, well, if Jesus could raise those people from the dead, if Jesus could rip up all that bread and that fish and give it to other people, if Jesus could cast out all those demons, remember that crazy dude that was naked running around the cemetery that was possessed by 10,000 demons, and all of a sudden he met Jesus and his life was transformed and changed in an instant. Maybe, maybe Jesus can do that for me too. And so he reaches out his hand and he stands up. And in a matter of moments, healing power is coursing through that guy's body, through his vertebrae, through his back, through every part of his body that he's never used 
coming to life because of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but that excites me. It excites me because if Jesus, if Peter could do those things, if the Spirit of God was doing those things then, he can still do them now. Amen? Yeah, yes, it is your story, isn't it? Let's keep reading. So, verse 7, Peter takes the lame man by the right hand, helps him up, and as he does, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumps up, stood on his feet, and he begins to walk. And the Bible says, walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into church. Walking and leaping and praising God. Walking and leaping and praising God. See, some people went to church and know that song. Walking and leaping and praising God. This dude is jumping up and down because his legs have started working. And he goes into church with Peter and John. Bible says, verse 9, all the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. Now, here's the thing. Have you ever, like, has there ever been somebody that you know in a certain context? Like the gym guy? You see that guy at the gym all the time. You see this person at the library all the time. You always see this person at the grocery store. But then when you see them out of context, you don't know who they are. And you're like, I know that person, but where do I know them from? Has that ever happened to anybody? Happens to me all the time. Like, I know, I know you, but when they're out of context, you can't place them. Now, here's what happened. The Bible says everybody in verse 9 saw this guy walking and heard him praising God. Dude, I've got this, I bet this guy was like, whoa, whoa, Jesus. I don't, like, he's doing like the Irish, like, they work, they work, they work, they work, they still work. And he's jumping around. He's saying, thank God my legs work. They work. Look at what I can do. Karate kid. And the Bible says that everybody sees him, and they hear him giving glory to God, and they hear him praising God. But then it says in verse 10, when they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They didn't know him out of context. They recognized him as the guy who would lay down and beg, and his legs didn't work. Right? But all of a sudden, one day, this dude is running around church praising God. Everybody turns around because they hear a noise like, what is going on over there? What's that dude's problem? What's he so excited about? What's he so worked up about? And then you do a double take. You're like, oh, that's lame Larry. You're like, who? It's Lame Larry. Remember, you know, you know Lame Larry? Got some change, dude. Sits out front of the temple all the time. That's him. What do you mean that's him? That dude's walking. I knew Larry was a faker. <laughs> I swear I saw him at the market three weeks ago, walking around. That's Lame Larry. And they're like, wait. Lame Larry is not faking it. And Lame Larry ain't lame no more. Lame Larry is giving glory to God, and he's jumping up and down, and his legs seem to be working, and his legs are way more muscular than mine. The Bible says when they realized it was Lame Larry, 
They don't say his name, so we're going to call him Larry. When they realized it was Larry, they all ran outside absolutely astounded. I don't know about you, but I want people running to church because they are absolutely astounded by what they see God doing in their life. That seems like a nice thing to clap for and be like, yeah, woo, Jesus. But I tell you the truth. I tell you guys this all the time, and I mean it every time I say it. I don't want to just play church. I don't want to come here and just hang out with y'all for a couple hours on Sunday morning and that be that, and we all go our way. I am wanting, God is wanting, God desires for his spirit to move so that lives are radically transformed and changed by his glory and goodness. If you go on here, the next line says this, verse 12, Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. We talked about this last week. When you see the Holy Spirit move, the Holy Spirit moves, signs and wonders are done, and then there is an opportunity to preach Jesus. So God has just moved. The Spirit of God has done a miraculous miracle in this guy's life. And Peter sees an opportunity because everybody's like, what is going on? Larry's walking. Larry. And Peter looks at everybody. And here's the thought. These are the people that were in church that were astounded. These are the people that were at the temple that were absolutely astounded to see Larry prancing around. And Peter sees his chance to talk about Jesus, to talk about who he was, and talk about what he did for those people. And that's what God is wanting to do. Let's finish up here in a second. 12 says Peter saw the opportunity and addressed the crowd. He said, what is so surprising about this and why do you stare at us as though we made this man walk of our own power or godliness? For it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all of our ancestors, who brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. He talks for a few more verses. In verse 17, he says, friends, I realize that what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance. You didn't know better. You didn't really understand what you were doing. You didn't really believe who Jesus said he was. So I know you were ignorant about what you did. But God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah, that he must suffer these things. Now here's verse 19. I think we'll probably stop here for today. And I'll tell you what, we are not getting very far in the book of Acts in this six-week series that we have. verse 19 says this, Peter's talking, Spirit of God is moved, people's hearts are open to God at this moment in time. When the Spirit of God moves, people are open to Jesus. When they see God doing something in their life, they say, that is real, and I want whatever that is. So many times, We are okay with the Spirit of God moving and then nobody explaining what that is, what Jesus is doing, and who Jesus is. 
so that they get the salvation that Jesus paid the price for. But here we see Peter say, hey, let me tell you what just happened. So he preaches at him for a minute, and he says, now this, guys, repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. Repent of your sins and turn to God so your sins will be wiped away, and then times of refreshment will come from the Lord. I've heard many preachers, smarter, wiser, better than me, say this. There's always two seasons in your life, a season of repentance and then a season of refreshing. You'll be in one of those seasons at different times in your life. If you're in a time, if you're in a season of repentance, then you need to repent for things in your life that are stopping the presence and the refreshing of God. Peter says to these guys, here's what you got to do. You got to repent. Remember, we talked about what repenting was a little bit last week. And I love this phrasing here. It says, go back to verse 19, Cheryl. Repent of your sins and turn to God. And the phrasing of that means, gives you the idea that your sins are this direction and God is this direction. And he says, now turn, repent, and turn from your sins to God. Repent and turn from your sins to God. Turn your back on those things that you're walking in. Turn those back in that in that lifestyle that you lead, those things that you, do, that you do that you know that aren't from God, those things that you allow into your life that shouldn't be there, those things that you think about, those things that you look at, that person you're sleeping with that you shouldn't be sleeping with, that, that chemical you're putting in your body that you shouldn't be putting in there, whatever those things are that you know that you know you shouldn't be doing, he says, repent of your sins and turn to God. Then when you do that, times of refreshing will come from him. I, I don't know about you guys, but if I need to repent so that I can have the refresh, refreshing, refreshing, refreshing presence of God in my life, I am more than happy to do that. Psalmist says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Tell me what's inside of me. Let me know what is in there. And if there's anything I need to repent from, if there's anything I need to say, I'm sorry, and I'm not going to do this anymore, thanks for pointing that out. I'll change, and I'll turn to God. And when I turn to God, times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. Stand up with me. I believe that God is desiring to do something in our body desiring to do something in our church family, desiring to do something in the city of Abbotsford, in the Fraser Valley, in British Columbia, in Canada, and throughout the rest of the world. I really believe that. I believe, like things we saw in worship this morning, 
when God begins to direct and move in different ways, where we get out of the pattern of doing our normal songs like we do every Sunday, and God's saying, hang on a second, hold up, wait a minute. I want to do something new. And he says, maybe you just need to repent of some things in your life. Maybe there's some things in your life that you've allowed there. See, here's the thing about sin. God's not afraid of your sin. God doesn't say, oh my gosh, there's sin there. Can't touch it, can't touch it. But what sin does is it puts a wall up between you and God. It stops him being able to come to you. It stops you being able to go to him because there's this thing in your life between the two of you. And the Bible tells us if you repent of that sin, then something happens. The price that Jesus paid removes that blockage. It removes that sin from your life. It removes those things that are there that shouldn't be there. And then the Bible says, then the presence and the refreshing of the Lord will come into your life. Maybe it's offense. Maybe you're offended. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you're hurt. And maybe you've allowed that hurt. You say, how can hurt be a sin? Well, hurt in itself obviously is not a sin. But will you allow that hurt to take root in your life and turn into offense and turn into anger and turn into malice and hatred? then you have sin in your life. God is wanting to move. God is wanting to pour out His Spirit in each and every one of us. So here's what I want to do for a few minutes today. I want us all just to take a minute to examine our own hearts. I want us to take a minute to allow the Spirit of God to speak to us. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask God, is there anything in my life that shouldn't be? Is there anything in my heart that shouldn't be here. Is, is, am I offended with somebody? Am I hurt by somebody? Am I angry at something? Am I carrying wounds that I shouldn't be carrying anymore? Is there anything inside of me that shouldn't be there? As you ask God that, and if He begins to show you things, Here's what I would like us to do. You lift your hands and you say, God, I'm sorry. I repent. That shouldn't be there. I don't want it there. Thanks for showing it to me. Help me get it out of my life. 
I repent of this. I repent of this mindset. I repent for allowing this to stay in my life. And then the Bible says that times of refreshing will come from His presence. If you find yourself unrefreshed, if you find yourself weary and tired, Maybe it's because there are things in your life that are stopping the refreshing presence of God coming into your life. And you want to find those things and kick them out of the way so that God's presence can come flooding into your life. So let's take a minute. These guys are going to worship God and ask God this question. Is there anything in my life that should not be Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.